Hi, I'm Andrew J. Boyle. Welcome to North by Norway. In an earlier podcast, I described the miracle that is the Oseberg Viking ship and the astounding artefacts that were found with it. The Oseberg ship is the jewel in the crown of Oslo's Viking Ship Museum. 70 feet of sleek, streamlined timber with its prow and stern ornamented with the most exquisite and intricate wood carvings of the Viking Age. No other Viking ship has been found that comes even near to rivaling the Oseberg. Together, the ship and artefacts recovered from the Oseberg burial mound make up a find that is by far the richest ever made from the Viking Age. I want to return to that find today because, well, it is the greatest treasure from Norwegian history but also because the majestic ship and the two people who were buried on it in the year 834 raise many intriguing questions. Here are three to get us going. 1. Which great Viking leader was honoured with this most magnificent of ship burials? 2. Why was this ship of death anchored to a huge boulder? 3. Why was there a long wooden wand on board, identical to those used in the Viking Age for sorcery? A change of ambience. I've crossed the Oslo Fjord. My home is on the east coast and now I'm on the west coast, a good hour's drive south of Oslo. I'm a little way inland in open countryside. If you imagine this spot at the centre of a diamond, three miles to the east, the fjord. Three miles to the west, the E18 motorway, the main road from Oslo to the south coast. Three miles to the south, Tønsberg, the oldest town in Norway, and three miles to the north, the sleepy coastal village of Oskarstrand, where painter Edvard Munch created many of his great works, including The Scream. I'll be coming back to Mr Munch in a future podcast or two. I'm in a valley in the quiet countryside, farmland all round. But I'm not down on the valley floor. Oseberg is thought to mean Hill of the Gods, and I'm standing up on the one elevated thumb of rock that rises above the valley. I'm at the edge of a cemetery. The local church, Slagen Kirke, and its twin bell towers are at my back, no doubt built over the corpse of the earlier Viking temple for this was an area peppered with the burial mounds of the heathens. Down below me, beside a quiet stream that cuts through the valley, is the burial mound that was opened in 1904 
to reveal the most famous archaeological find of the Viking Age, the Oseberg ship and its unique burial goods. But three miles to the coast? 1,200 years ago the sea was higher, so it was two miles to the coast then. But what on earth is the point of a ship burial so far inland? The Oseberg ship was dragged here. Dragged up from the fjord using 18 rolling timber logs. Evidently it was expedient to bury the ship in the shadow of the Hill of the Gods. The two bodies on board were placed inside a sort of wooden tent, a burial cabin, just behind the mast on deck. Among the many items placed inside or alongside the chamber were a richly carved carriage, beds and sledges, barrels, buckets, chests, as well as sacrificed animals, 15 horses, 4 dogs and an ox. There were also the most exquisite tapestries and fine silks brought from Central Asia and even as far away as Constantinople. The stories illustrated on the tapestries seem to come from saga mythology. One is a chilling narrative of a ritual procession with carriages and soldiers, also women soldiers, and the defeated enemy warriors are hanging by their necks from branches. The whole ritual of this burial is thought to have taken several months of the year 834. It was the elite of the elite of the Viking world that was burying its dead at Oseberg. Now, it's a cold day in October. I'm going to get back down to the car. The archaeologists who led the excavation in 1904 would no doubt have been hoping to find evidence that one of the great Saga kings had been laid to rest on the deck of this sumptuous ship. They were in for a surprise. The remains of two skeletons were found, and it was immediately clear that they were two women. To quote Ellen Maria Ness, archaeologist at the University of Oslo, The researchers must have thought, Oh, damn! Ah, well, I suppose even kings had to have mothers and grandmothers. And Ness points out that there was one saga queen who they thought might fit the bill. They took a close look at the ages of the skeletons, then at all the dates of historical women they knew about from the sagas. Then they squeezed a bit here and pushed a bit there, and... Job done! It's the burial ship of Queen Åsa the grandmother of Viking warrior king Harald Hårfagre, Harald Fairhair. The other skeleton was presumed to be some slave girl who was sacrificed so that she could follow her royal mistress into the next world. And this interpretation stuck to the skeletons for a hundred years, right up until the science of forensic bone and DNA analysis made it possible to revisit the few remains. So here is the current position of the Viking Ship Museum about the two women. Keep in mind, 
that the average life expectancy of women at the time was about 40. The oldest woman could have been as old as 80 years, maybe even older. She suffered from osteoporosis, brittle bones, had a fracture in her lower back and two of her vertebrae had merged. She would have had a stooping posture. She had been bedridden in her childhood due to illness. Once, when she was 8 to 10 years old, and later when she was 14 or 15. As an adult, she had sustained serious damage to her left knee and would have had difficulty moving about. She had a hormone disturbance typical in older women that may have given her a deep voice, a neck that was short and thick and perhaps increased hair growth. She suffered from fully developed cancer, probably of the breast or abdomen. She is likely to have died as a result of it. This makes her the first known cancer case in Norway. The younger woman was most likely in her 50s. She had a broken collarbone that had started to heal. She'd been injured just weeks before her death. Perhaps she sustained more substantial injuries and that might be the reason for her death. Both women would have been about 158 centimeters in height. They had lived a privileged life with a diet mostly of meat from land animals. Were they mother and daughter? Or perhaps mistress and servant? And if so, which was which? It's impossible to determine from the few bone fragments that remain. But the precise ageing of the women means that neither fitted with the life of any queen known from the sagas. There are finds that indicate that this extravagant burial was centred around the older woman. And yes, she was obviously treated with the highest respect by her people. But was she also regarded with fear? Much of what was found under the turf of the Oseberg Mound is unique in Viking archaeology, and this is certainly true of the way the ship was anchored to the landscape. Why was the ship tied to a huge boulder? I mean, there was also an iron anchor on deck, but no, that wouldn't do. A mooring rope as thick as a man's thigh was attached in front of the ship to a five-ton rock. Now, historians are convinced that ship burials were intended as a send-off for the deceased, the start of a voyage across the sea of death. Well, it seems that at Oseberg they didn't want these two women to go anywhere. They wanted them off the cosmic map, so to speak out of action. The ship and the grave goods and everything, mostly for a symbolic journey, of course. But with these two, well, they just weren't taking any chances. And then there is the discovery on board, in a fine, metal-studded chest in the burial cabin, 
of what seems to be a wooden wand or staff, the sort that historians associate with sorcery in the Viking era. The British expert Neil Price has written of magic practices in this period in his book The Viking Wave, and he says, There is no doubt that one object above all others was characteristic of the sorcerer's equipment, a staff. And Price goes on to describe the Oseberg wand, which is over a metre long, as the most spectacular wooden staff from a Scandinavian grave. He lists the passages in the sagas where a magic wand is used, for instance in the Vattensdal saga, where magic is performed with a wand that has its own name, Högnutter, meaning something like useful. Were the people at Oseberg in fear of the woman they buried because she was a useful practitioner of sorcery? When translating saga literature into English, different words have been used for a woman who had this calling. Prophetess, sorceress, seeress, witch, wise woman. The Encyclopedia Britannica goes with Sibyl. Well, after Faulty Towers, I find that the least appealing. I think rather we can follow Neil Price's example and stick to the old Norse word Volva, not to be confused with either Volva or Volvo, both of which have Latin origins. Volva means simply in Old Norse, the staff-bearer. The sense of awe the Volva inspired and the status she held in society Nowhere in the Norse literature is that more clear than in the most famous poem of the poetic Edda, the poem called Voluspor, which means the prophecy of the Volva. In the poem, she describes how the world was created and how it will end. At the dawn of time, Neither sand, nor sea, nor even waves existed. No earth existed, nor heaven or grass, only the chasm of the void. The sun, sister of the moon, stretched her hand across the horizon, knowing not where she should rest. The stars knew not their place, nor the moon his strength and power. And even Odin himself comes to seek her guidance. She was seated outside alone when the aged warrior came and looked her in the eye. I know it all, Odin. Have you heard enough? Or do you want to know more? Rings and bracelets he gave her, and a staff for divination, and she saw far and wide into the time and ways of men. I'm going to round off this podcast with an excerpt from the saga of Eric the Red, where we meet Torbjörg a Volva who lived on Greenland. 
The striking figure she presents was maybe not that different from the woman known to the Viking elite at Oseberg, and buried by them with their finest ceremonial ship. If you ever have the fortune to visit Oslo and the Oseberg collection at the Viking Ship Museum, though remember it's shut for a rebuild until 2025, well, keep in mind that the magnificence of the ship burial wasn't out of respect for some mighty Viking warrior, but perhaps out of respect and fear for what a crippled 80-year-old woman could do to them from beyond the grave. This was a time of need on Greenland. Hunters came back with little. Some didn't come back at all. There was a woman there called Torbjörg. She was a sorceress and was known as Little Volve. In the winters, Torbjörg would travel from farm to farm, invited there by people who wanted to know of their destiny or what the growing season might bring. And since Turshil had the largest farm in those parts, people thought it was his duty to find out when this famine would end. Turshil invited her to his home and, as was the custom when one had the visit of such a woman, he made every preparation to make her welcome. When Torbjörg arrived, she was clothed in a blue cape with precious stones from top to bottom. A necklace of glass beads were around her neck and a cap of black lambskin on her head lined with the fur of white cats. In her hand she carried a staff inlaid with brass and gems. From her belt there hung a leather pouch in which she kept the talismans she needed for her prophecies. On her hands she wore catskin gloves, with the white fur turned to the inside. All the people came to question the Volva, and each asked of her whatever they were most curious to know. She was an able prophetess. Much of what she foresaw came to pass. Next time, Norway and Russia, a shared border and a difficult balancing act. But for now, tusen tack for att du hörte på. Thanks for listening. And if you like the cool north, tell all your cool friends. <laughs>